Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Baltazar. And today, we're going to be going over quite the list of things, because, honestly, it's been weird not recording every, like, two days. Yeah, it, it totally threw me off, because we normally recorded on Tuesday nights during the season, we did our previews. And it kind of threw me off just, like, not having, like, that additional thing to do. Like, I got done with my stuff, like, for the day. And I was like, I feel like I should, like, have more stuff to do. I felt, like, really unproductive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, normally record on, like, uh, Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Today's Thursday, and this is the first time we're recording since Sunday. And it's been really weird. There's been a void in my life the that void. only the Aggieville Alley Cats can fill. Well, luckily, we're here to fill it today. With the daily dues. <laughs> Not daily. Well, we, let's just get over that. So, on today's agenda, we're going to be talking about, unfortunately, transfers. Then we're going to briefly touch upon the university president. Then football All-Big 12 honors, as well as volleyball Big 12 honors, for going in and recapping men's basketball, women's basketball, and volleyball. So, quite the packed show. So in interest of making this not like an hour and a half, let's just dive straight into the transfer stuff. So the time of grand transfers has entered our lives. And uh, yeah, just about every single program is going to see a mass exodus. And K-State is no exception. And while it hasn't quite reached terminal mass in terms of mass exodus, we're still losing quite a few people. We, so far in the transfer portal, we have lost Jacardier Wright, Joe Irvin, Tyrone Howell, Wayne Jones, and Amaris Brown. And more are expected to transfer from various positions. So this raises two questions. We'll actually flip the order of the questions on here. So if... What are we losing with with each player? Just like in one sentence, what are we losing with each player, to your mind? Starting with Jacardier. Uh, Jacardier, we're we're losing uh, depth, basically. That is the best way to sum it up. Um, he's he, he's somebody I had really high hopes for, but he just kind of hasn't hasn't put it together yet. So I hope he's able to fl- I hope he's able to flourish somewhere else. But I just don't think it was going to be here behind Deuce. Yeah, I would also go with the phrase depth um, because the next sentence that I would have would be for Joe Irvin. And I would say we're losing the what really was the complimentary back in terms of style to Deuce Vaughn. Because Jacardier was sort of like the, the Goldilocks of the two, kind of a happy medium. But uh, Joe Irvin was truly that violent runner who really f- excelled in one-gap schemes as opposed to doses. Doses, okay. Deuce's ability to maneuver through multiple gaps. So we're losing the compliment to Deuce and Joe. Yeah, and it it does really it it really blows to to lose Joe because I really really like Joe Irvin as a uh, as an athlete, and he's. It's going to hurt to lose him, although I do think that we will figure it out. I think that we have people uh, behind Deuce that are still young and developing that I think there's enough eligibility separation there that 
uh, it should be fine. We shouldn't have to worry about transfers, I don't think. Like, DJ Giddens is somebody that I'm really high on, and I think a lot of people are really high on yeah. uh, behind the scenes. So I'm hoping that he will stick around and uh, we can really make use of him. We still have Devon Weathers as well. Yep. And uh, for the bowl game, it may be Clyde Price hours. Uh, we might see Clyde Price get on the field, which he has, I like no offense to him, I just don't think he's ever been close to getting on the field from what I can tell. Like, I've never seen him wearing a helmet. <laughs> like, ever. that's not disrespect to him. Like, that's just what I've seen. That is simply what I've seen. I think he's like probably a really good athlete. Like, he, but when you're playing behind Deuce Vaughn, like your opportunities for playing time are going to be really limited. Yeah. So, but regardless of that, I still really like Clyde Price because like he he still stays hype on the sideline. He keeps the mood up. Like he's he's an energy guy, and like every team needs guys like that. Yeah, he's a culture guy. Culture guy. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Next up is Tyrone Hell and. Honestly, what I think we're losing with him is the one guy on our team who made contested catches, other than Cade, because Cade was somehow really good at it, especially towards the back end of the year. Yeah. Tyrone, uh, a lot of what we lose with him is the idea of Tyrone Howell, uh, because he only ended up with uh, seven catches on the year for just under 100 yards, but I think that we definitely could have utilized him better than we did. So I get why he's transferring, but it just really sucks uh, that he's leaving because he's very athletic, has really good ball skills. So I was hoping that he would stick around for a while, especially with the receiver depth that we have. It's going to be really young there next year. And we're going to see a lot of R.J. Garcia uh, good next job, year. RJ. Good job, R.J. And we'll probably see some Brennan Hawkins as well. Uh, I'd imagine we will not see Sterling Lockett, but who's to say? Um, Yeah. Wayne Jones... I'm gonna be I'm gonna be uh, honest. I think that losing Wayne Jones is probably like of these people the least impactful. Very simply because we can never find out what to do with them. Yeah, I think that's fair with Wayne because yeah, like you said, he just kind of didn't fit anywhere. Like he wasn't fast enough to be the Reggie Stubblefield uh, that. Uh, he was he isn't good enough in coverage and on the back end to be the free safety that we had him playing as a redshirt freshman back in 2019 uh, he was not strong enough and big enough to be a reliable linebacker so we kind of just had him doing a little bit and simultaneously none of all three of those things which we essentially just ended up with a guy that was positionless on defense but not in like a desirable way like isaiah simmons like and uh he just doesn't fit anywhere away yeah which is really unfortunate because i do think wayne jones has a lot of athletic traits but he's just a jack of all trades master of none and he's not good enough at one thing to justify putting him anywhere which yeah. but i do think that him transferring getting a change of scenery maybe down to the fcs level i think that could be really good for him like i think he could see some serious playing time down there yeah and finally, so far, is Amaris Brown, who, when we were at the open practice, he was the starting nickelback. He was. So, with Reggie not being able to come back, unfortunately, 
for next year, he definitely would have been our starting nickel. So that's become a huge position of need. Because Gardner's probably not coming back. I don't want T playing in the slot. No. Yeah, I, I'm i not sure what the answer is at nickel. We had a very similar issue last offseason where we just didn't have a nickel back. Maybe there's a Reggie Stubblefield clone down FCS somewhere that we can bring in in like the wee hours of the offseason. But like, hopefully he's just as email. No. That's not possible. It's yeah. not possible. But that this kind of like been what it is is like the last few years with nickels. We've done like some patchwork nickelback. Uh, AJ Parker in 2020 moved from outside to inside just because he was so good at it, and now he's playing that in the NFL. Yeah. And you have Reggie Stubblefield who barely made it to campus and turns out to be absolutely incredible. And uh, and both of those years we had a mid season. Um, the presumed young starting nickelback transfer away. We had Will Jones leave in 2020 and then Amaris Brown this year. So very similar storylines, uh, eerily similar. But I hope that we hit the portal looking for, at the very least, a one-year patchwork. But I'd really like us to go get somebody young that can fill in in the future. Yeah. Unless we're going to put Darrell Jones at nickelback, which I still think he's probably a year or two away from being ready. Yeah, he has a lot of work to do. Uh, with strength and conditioning, specifically strength. But uh, he's super athletic, but just has a long way to go technique and strength. It's just a prospect that the staff, he's the type of prospect the staff loves, just a raw athlete that they can mold. Yeah. So with all of this being said, this is the new normal. Do we see K-State taking advantage of it? The question is how can, but we know how they can. But just do we think they will? And I think, honestly, yeah. I do, too. I really do. Because if you're questioning it, I would say look to last year. And we absolutely did. Uh, when people were, were leaving in the portal midseason, the sky was falling. And it turns out that Casey had actually had like a very average number of players leaving the portal last year. I mean, there were teams that lost like over 30 people to the portal. <laughs> Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee lost a crazy amount of people to the portal. Like, five is well below average i think we'll see more but where we're at right now is fine like the sky doesn't have to fall like it's not the end of the world every time that somebody transfers especially when it's like a backup because that's just the reality of college football is people that aren't starting or aren't getting significant playing time they're very high likelihood transfers and that's just the nature of it now and because people want to play and if they enter the portal, they'll have a coach tell them at some place, at some level, that they will play, and they just want to play football. Yeah. So, but the staff, though, they have done an excellent job of being net positive in the transfer portal. I mean, we lose Jonathan Alexander, but we kind of tell him to go away. Yeah, we we tell him to go away, and then uh, we replace him with Russ Yeast this year. And then we lose... Uh, um, AJ Parker not to the portal but we do lose him and then we also lost Will and we lost Will Jones and we add uh, Julius Brents in turn we also add a sincere Mason at safety Uh, which yeah, I I hope that he'll turn out and comes back from his injury defensive line we lose Matthew Polamau and uh, we got uh, Timmy uh, yeah we got Timmy gee I wonder who won that yeah who who won that deal Uh, tight end uh, Briley Moore graduates and we bring in Daniel Lamaster Bebe and keep Wheeler around. Like which 
that works out well for us, I would say. Uh, then receiver. Did we lose receivers last year? Oh, uh, Waikin Gill. Yeah, Gill. Yeah, we lost Waikin Gill, and we got Cade Warner. And I would say that's... That's a push. Yeah, I, I don't see a difference there. But the staff did really well. I, I, I'd say on the seven transfers that they brought in, they hit on six of them. And with the seventh one, they kind of knew what they were getting anyways. I still wouldn't have done it, but they accomplished their goal in that, yeah. which was just a culture transfer, and that worked. So I, I totally trust the staff to take advantage of the transfer portal. Yeah. So that pretty much wraps up the transfer talk for now. But now we have a different type of transfer coming in to Kansas State, and that is K-State's new president which we're a sports podcast, so we won't talk about in depth. We're not, though I guess we could market ourselves as a general K-State podcast, but uh, no. <laughs> would rather not. <laughs> would, would really rather not. But yeah, the new president is Dr. Richard Linton, who's the current Dean of Agricultural Studies and Life Sciences at North Carolina State, and he's previously worked at Ohio State and Purdue I think all of which are land-grant universities, and he's coming off of a big program turnaround at North Carolina State. He is not who I initially wanted. I'm not on the committee, so my vote doesn't matter. <laughs> but Connor could tell you that for the first like 10 minutes, I was a tad bit apprehensive because... I really wanted someone with ties to Kansas, not necessarily to Kansas State, but to the state of Kansas. And this guy has, for what I know, he's never lived in Kansas. He's been in Ohio, North Carolina, and West Virginia. I mean, Virginia. Yeah. But then I got over it, and I said, you know what? He is not near death. So that's like a big plus. Yeah, like he he he's not uh, qualifying for AARP, so <laughs> uh, so he will stick around for a while. I'm hoping, and he brings uh, some uh, some energy as well. It seems, and that that's we're desperate for energy right now. I would say yeah. at K State because there was a serious lack of that the last few years, which like really sucks. Because like I like vaguely saw like some of the like the the workings of K-State, like, before I was here, like, under Schultz and stuff, and K-State as a campus just seemed really energized, like, and they were really pushing for their uh, top 50 research goal, and that's kind of just stopped under Myers, like, we, we just kind of aren't pursuing it, at least not publicly as uh, hard, yeah, yeah. but uh, this guy, Richard Linton, I like him, uh, he has a good record, I don't know a lot about him, but, like, I, I will like him until he gives me a reason not to. Yeah. Uh, because I believe going all the way back, uh, he did his undergrad um, at, at Virginia Tech, and then he had stops at, as I recall, Purdue and, oh, then, Ohio and then Ohio State. Actually, no. Flip it, I think. Oh, okay. So Ohio State, Purdue, and then now at NC State. And I... I really like that record. Uh, those are some really good universities there. So this is actually kind of surprising hire for Casey, I think, because it's a guy with no Kansas ties, and he 
has been in the upper echelon of public uh, universities, I would say. And uh, he brings a lot of experience and yeah. like he, he's a really good balance of uh, um, age, I would say. Yeah. Like, like he's not I think he's late fifties. Yeah. Like I, I think that's a, a pretty good spot. So yeah, we'll see what he brings. Yeah. Uh, if he does not ride around in a golf cart, we need a new president. Yeah, he better he better take the Myers Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> he leaves that. That's his one thing he leaves. Maybe the uh, purple hair dye as well. <laughs> all right. That out of the way, now we can talk about all Big 12 honors, specifically for football. And we got to talk about the king, King Felix Anidike Uzama. He was co-defensive lineman of the year with Will McDonald, which um, you could argue that it shouldn't have been co, but honestly, I'm just happy that we got anyone yeah. there, especially considering some of the snubs that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, um, split hairs about it being co-defensive lineman, because Will McDonald is good. I think Felix may have had a better season, but you know, it's not a huge deal. Yeah. So, representing Kansas State University on the first team, All-Big 12, is Cooper Beebe, offensive tackle. Duh. Malik Knowles uh, at kick returner. Yeah, okay. King Felix and Yudike Uzama at defensive end. Yeah, of course. And then, somewhat surprisingly, Russ Yeast at safety. I did not expect... I expected him to get honorable mention. I did not expect first team for Russ Yeast. Yeah, I... I kind of had Russie slotted in at honorable mention, maybe second team. Not because of how that's what he deserved, but because I figured that's what he was going to get. Yeah. But he ended up getting some respect. Uh, I think a lot of it probably is due to him really coming to his own down the course of the season. And Russ, he was just really good this year. He started uh, playing out of his mind. Yeah, down the stretch, he was at, at times one of our best defenders and i i loved watching him fly around the field i mean he made some awesome tackles uh where like he just came flying down from the safety position to make a tackle in the backfield but yeah rusty's he absolutely earned this sucks that we're only gonna have him for one year but just great identification and talent by the staff and excellent way to land him and even though we only get him for a year really good production first team all big 12 Love to see it. Yeah. There's one notable name missing from first team, all Big 12, because he's second team. It's Deuce Vaughn. No. <laughs> yeah, I am unfortunately not surprised this happened. We'll always have PFF. We'll always have PFF. Find PFF. someone who loves you as much as PFF loves Deuce Vaughn. I think what PFF loves most is the Iowa State fans and their mentions every single time <laughs> without fail. <laughs> My God, they are sensitive. <laughs> but Deuce, he did get snubbed. Uh, Brees Hall's first team, which, like, yeah, he should be. Yeah. But then Bajan Robinson is also first team, which I get he, he got hurt. But, but he also got hurt. But he got hurt, yeah. And he missed two weeks. Deuce Vaughn played the whole year and had better stats than him. Uh, per game, I think they were roughly equal. But Deuce should probably still be over him regardless just because he was doing some great things this season. And he definitely got snubbed. Second team is still good, especially in a conference with a lot of really good running backs. Like uh, Abram Smith, uh, I believe he was the other second team back. 
Probably. Yeah, which that leaves like Kennedy Brooks and like Letty Brown and the honorable mention, which like, geez. <laughs> oh my God. <coughs> but yeah, Deuce unfortunately gets disrespected by uh, all entities that are not PFF. So. And then Jax is a second team All Big Twelve fullback, which was kind of overtaken by Sinnott, but actually Sinnott plays more H back. Yeah, Sinnott's more of an H back. He plays some fullback. Jax is definitely the true fullback, uh, but I don't know. There was a I think Iowa State's fullback got on first team ahead of Jax, and I honestly don't think they ran a fullback set against us a single time when we played them. So I was really surprised to see that. But sure, I guess. I mean, they put an absurd amount of Iowa State players on first team, despite them going seven and five. This is what it is. You know. <clears throat> So now we have a long list of honorable mentions. Uh, Julius Brents at cornerback, Cody Fletcher at linebacker, Daniel Green at linebacker, that's a snub. Eli Huggins at defensive tackle, we'll talk about the snubs altogether. Right. Eli Huggins at defensive tackle, Noah Johnson at center, Malik Knowles at wide receiver, Nate Matlick at defensive end, Jay Mack at safety, Josh Rivas at offensive guard, Reggie Stubblefield at defensive back slash linebacker, and then Ty Zentner at punter. So... Uh, Daniel Green, honorable mention, huh? Yeah. Um, I definitely would have uh, had him as second team, pushing first team, because he was unbelievable this year. He I, he is, I think, one of the sole reasons that the defense was as good as it was this year, because the linebackers were the question mark coming into the season, and they got it figured out, and a lot of that is due to Daniel Green. And he deserves a lot more credit than honorable mention, but if anything, this will just fuel his fire and get him back next year pushing for first team. So I'm upset uh, by proxy for him. Yeah. <laughs> but like honorable mention is still good, but he deserves better. Yeah. And there are two names that are just completely omitted that I'm thinking of that. And I think you and I are thinking of the, ta- the same two names that are completely omitted. Philip Brooks and Echo. Yeah, Philip and Echo. Why? Yeah. Where are they? I, I was very surprised that Echo did not get mentioned. I, I, I was absolutely shocked. Brooks, I wouldn't have been surprised with Brooks if Knowles hadn't gotten receiver votes. Yeah, that's what shocked me because I think Brooks is just a straight up better receiver than Malik Knowles is. Yeah, and I don't think many people would argue. Like, Knowles looks the part, but Brooks is the part. And Brooks had a really good year. He really did. He was K-State's best receiver this season. Uh, not particularly close. I would I would argue that. Um, and then Echo, just constantly disrespected. I mean, it's absolutely hilarious that he didn't even get honorable mention. Like, and Brents did get honorable mention. Which, like, Brents deserves honorable mention, I would say. Yeah. But Echo, like, you could argue for first team, I think, with Echo. Like, yeah. he, the reason he doesn't get interceptions is because no one throws at no him. No one throws at him because it's covered. Yeah, because he's so good. He struggled a little down the stretch, but corners will have bad games because playing defensive back in today's game is really hard. Really, really hard. So the fact that Echo plays as well as he does and just locks down the side of the field as consistently as he does that deserves better recognition. In fact, it deserves any recognition. And he gets left off. Also, I kind of thought Skyler would get an honorable mention nod. I really did. I 
if his two games ended di- if his last two games had ended differently than they did, I could see it. But uh. I don't know. I I really thought he was going to, but I don't know. But yeah, I, this is actually just a ploy by Echo. Uh, Echo knows how to set off the gas and get picks, but he's trying to be an undrafted free agent to the Kansas City Chiefs, where he becomes like first team All Pro for the rest of his life. He is playing the long game right now. The long con. Yeah, our, I I would rather just be a first round pick and get that five year contract, but hey, you do you, Echo. He's gonna break a record as an undrafted free agent. Well, is he gonna get like one year, like twenty mil? Out of, out of college. For the rest of his life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, that's football All Big 12, but we have All Big 12 in another sport. Yep. That is volleyball, in which Aaliyah Carter is representing K-State as first team All Big 12. Yep. And which is not surprising to anyone. No. Yeah, she is excellent. She's incredible volleyball talent. Uh, I also went and looked, and she was unanimous All Big 12 first team. Which makes her the first, uh, it's the first time in K-State volleyball history that a player has gotten unanimous first team all Big 12 in their freshman and their sophomore years. So, she's pretty good. One might say. So, I mean, at this point you're looking at her being unanimous first team all Big 12 four years. Like. That's nuts. That is incredible, regardless of what sport you're playing. So, Basically, what I'm saying here is volleyball needs to figure it out, and they need to get good because they have some talent on the roster, and they really need to like like get moving with this because like like it's not just Leo Carter that's good. I think there were some uh, players that got snubbed, like Mackenzie Morris, like she was defensive player of the week a few weeks ago. Like she's been really reliable for the Cats. So uh, volleyball team deserves more respect, and they. Uh, I don't know, I just like to see a little bit more because there's a lot of talent on that roster that just isn't translating right now. Absolutely. So, with that out of the way, now we can start going through the long list of sports that we're going to have to recap. And because it's such a long list, we're not going to spend a lot of time on like storylines in this game, except for one, which I'm going to point out because I think it's funny. But we're mostly just going to be going over like top scores and results. We're going to start off with men's basketball, and they participated in the Hall of Fame Classic, and our first game was up against the Arkansas Razorbacks, which I had the misfortune of going to see a football game from them, and going to an Arkansas Razorbacks football game is one of the most obnoxious experiences on planet Earth, but... K-State fell... Don't ask me to elaborate. I don't want to right now. (laughs) I will not. Okay. K-State unfortunately fell to Arkansas, who's looked ridiculously good this year, 72-64, to with, uh, well, you have stats. Yeah, stats-wise, uh, we, we saw good games from Selton Miguel and Nigel Pack. They each had 14 points to lead the Cats, uh, and they were efficient-ish, shooting Selton was 5 of 11, Nigel was 5 of 12, but... 1 of 6 from 3 for Nigel, 0 of 2 from 3 for Selton. That was the story of this game for both teams, is that nobody could hit a 3-point shot to save their life. Yep. And uh, Selton was 1 rebound off of a double-double. He had 9, and he had 1 assist, no turnovers, a block, and a steal. Then Nigel, he had 2 rebounds, 2 assists, 5 turnovers, and 2 steals. So, uh, got to improve the ball security there, uh, if you are Nigel. Uh, Mark Smith, 
he only had four points. Casey had four points in just eight minutes of action. And then Ish Masood, he had zero points in 31 minutes. O of eight from the field, O of five from three. And just three rebounds, one turnover, and a block. Really tough performance from Masood. That's kind of going to be a recurring theme over these next few games. Yeah. Marquise Noel, though... Uh, he had 10 points. He also hit, like, a logo three at one point. God, I love Marquise Noel. He is just the ultimate feast or famine player. I love him. He did foul out of this game, which I did not realize. <laughs> and he had uh, 10 points, three rebounds, uh, no assists, two turnovers, and two steals. And uh, he was good uh, 18 minutes off the bench. And Mike had nine points, three of eight shooting, 0 of three, and three, three rebounds, four assists, just one turnover. So, definitely his best game on the season thus far. Lucas Kupke had five points. Logan Landers had one. Davion Bradford uh, had one. Oh, Logan Landers had three. three. Excuse yeah. me. Davion had one. And uh, just didn't do a whole lot. Four rebounds, three turnovers, a block for Davion. Just not quite able to get it going yet. But yeah. Cats, three of 22 from three this game. And they also had an absolutely abysmal first half where they were trailing 42-24 at half, and people were calling for the head of Bruce Weber to be served on a cold platter. That's just Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) That that doesn't require a loss. That's just Tuesday. Pretty much, yeah. And, like, um, the Cats, uh, they actually played a lot better in the second half of this game. Uh, They... Um, they won the second half by 10, actually. And as I recall, they had it to a pretty close margin at one point. And yeah, it got down to a, looks like a six-point game was the closest it ever got, 66 to 60. And then unfortunately, uh, uh, it was uh, some guy, Chris Likes for um, Arkansas, I think. Yeah, Chris Likes hit like... He went 10 of 10 from the free throw line, and, like, all of them were in, like, the last, like, three minutes. So, like, I don't know what's up with that. I mean, like, if you just go through the score sheet for, like, the last few, like, look look at this. Chris likes free throw. Chris likes free throw. 146. Then 102. Chris likes free throw. Chris likes free throw. 47 seconds. Chris likes. Chris likes. 30 seconds. Chris likes. Chris likes. 8 seconds. Chris likes. Chris likes. So, he literally went from four points to... 14 points over the span of about 90 seconds and it was all free throws and that was really annoying so but the cats fought hard in this game uh there was a pretty serious meltdown after after this game it felt like but honestly it's a tale of two halves which it normally is for k-state and they were admirable in the second half they need to put it together and play good in both halves but I try to I'm try and look at it as a whole product as opposed to just the first half. And they did pull it together in the second half and put together a solid performance. Although a loss is a loss. There are no moral victories, but they did hold their own in the second half. They looked improved. Yeah. Which leads us to the other game we played in the Hall of Fame Classic, which was against the University of Illinois, which we lost by the exact same score. Yeah, it was the exact same score, 72 to 64. Yeah. Really weird. I'll go over stats this time. Okay. I'll just go for scoring, honestly. Marquise Noel was the leading scorer. <laughs> the Aggie yeah. Valley Cats' favorite basketball player. He led with 19. He was 7 for 15 from the field, 1 for 5 on his three-point shots. 
Four for five from the free throw line with six rebounds and two assists. Nigel Pack was the second leading scorer, 15 points, six for 14 from the field. One for four on three points, two for two on his free throws, four rebounds. Ish Masood had 13, four for 10, three for five, two for two, and then two rebounds. Mike McGurl had five points, two for eight from the field, one for three from three, no free throws, four rebounds. Mark Smith had four points, two for eight from the field, 0 for two from three points, no free throws, three rebounds, three assists. Casey Eziegu, the name that Mitch has a lot of fun saying over the PA. Yep. Casey Eziegu. He scored four, two for three from the field, no three points, no free throws, two rebounds. Devon Bradford had two points, Luke Supke had two points, and Salton Miguel and Logan Landers did not score. So, all for all, for all we... From three, we shot for 28.6%. That's an improvement off of the previous night. And then from the field, we had 38.5%. Yeah. Yeah. Was this the Luke the Cat, I mean Pete the Cat game? Um, Or was it after this? It was after the North Dakota game, I think. Which I I think that's the Pete the Cat game, which is absolutely hilarious. What will forever be known as the Pete the Cat game? I think... He showed them Pete the Cat in between this game and the North Dakota game, which obviously worked because we beat North Dakota by 42. So, but Pete the Cat goaded. Yeah. I don't know. There's like a lot of things to look at that are worth looking at in this game. Like Selton Miguel, he had no points, but he had four assists and zero turnovers. And then another thing is that we only had 26 rebounds as a team compared to 42 from Illinois. Granted, they have a Kofi Coburn and can kind of do whatever they, they want. They have a Kofi Coburn. Yeah. He went for 23 points, 13 rebounds. I'm not very upset about that because he's an All-American, and I don't expect a very not healthy Davion Bradford, a foul-prone Casey Eziegu, and a freshman Logan Landers to be able to adequately defend someone as monstrous as Kofi Coburn. We did a better job on him in the second half, though. We kind of figured some things out with a pass entry. But there are also some other random storylines going into this game. One of them that didn't get touched on much was Brad Underwood uh, being a K-State grad, playing basketball at K-State, and being a former uh, assistant coach to Frank Martin and was the fan favorite for the job after Frank Martin left, and we hired Bruce Weber instead. And Brad Underwood has been very successful everywhere he's gone. So this has been... <laughs> a point of contention for quite some time. Bruce Weber also used to coach at Illinois and went to a national championship game with them. And then Mark Smith transferred from Illinois to Mizzou to K-State, and he got booed the entire game by Illinois fans. Get over it. It was four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) They do not forgive. And the state of Illinois is just really bitter about Mark Smith for some reason. (laughs) But... Yeah, a lot of random storylines going to this game that were kind of interesting, just kind of track. But I don't know. This was a this was a much more fun game to watch as a K State fan, I would say, uh, because we actually took a lead at one point, and then Illinois just kind of like took over from there. Unfortunately, yeah. but. The Cats did play much better in this game. They played a more complete game. It's just that Illinois is good. I, I think that's what it is. I I think we're yet to see enough of a sample size from any team 
to truly determine if they're good, but I do think Illinois is going to have a very good year, and uh, Arkansas will as well, I believe. Yeah. And I, I think ultimately we'll look back on these games as good learning experiences for K-State. I may be wrong, but I'm trying to be optimistic. So. Yeah. Yeah. So next up is the matchup between K-State and North Dakota. And uh, <laughs> poor North Dakota. <laughs> this one was more fun, I would say. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, the Cats doubled up North Dakota, and they also broke 80. So doubling up someone and breaking 80 points is just kind of hilarious. Yeah. Like, it's honestly sad. North Dakota is one of the worst shooting teams that I've ever seen. They shot 9.7% from three, and a lot of those makes didn't happen until pretty late in the game. They had two people hit double figures, Paul Bruns and uh, Bentu Pinoam. Uh, they each had 16 and then 10, respectively. Everyone else just kind of sucked. The Cats, though, they had a lot of players play really well. Marquise Noel, once again, had a very good game, led the team in scoring. 18 points, 8 of 12 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3 for 2 rebounds, 5 assists to just 2 turnovers, and 5 steals in this game. Really stuffed the stat sheet. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Mitch on the PA in this game. Uh, on a fast break, Marquise Noel, he uh, uh, stole the ball, and him and Nigel Pack were on the break, and he had a no-look pass like across uh, from like the three-point line all the way to the lane to give Nigel back an easy layup. And Mitch Fortner on the uh, PA was like, uh, like Nigel Pack with a sweet pass from Marquise Noel. <laughs> I was like, can he do that? <laughs> like, he but can do, he can he do, can do whatever he wants. he wants, except for sauce boss. But except for, yeah. <laughs> other than Marquise Noel and his sweet pass, uh, Nigel Pack, had 16 points, uh, two assists, three turnovers, three rebounds. Nigel was really good shooting, four of eight from three, six of ten from the field. Mike McGurl had his best game on the year by far. He had 15 points, perfect shooting, six of six uh, from the field, two of two from three. He did miss a free throw, though. Uh, then three rebounds, five assists, two turnovers. Casey had 15 points, six of seven from the field, three of six from the free throw line, seven rebounds, and no assists, three turnovers and a steal. Uh, then Mark Smith, he had a double-double, 11 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, no turnovers, a steal, 5 of 11 from the field, and 1 of 2 from 3. Ishmael really struggled, though. Only 1 of 5 from the field, missed his 1-3 one one attempt, 6 rebounds, or 7 rebounds, excuse me, with 3 assists, 1 turnover, 2 steals, and just 2 points on the day. Other than that, um, we saw Logan Landers. He had 5 points uh, in reserve duty, and had three rebounds, one assist, one turnover, one steal. Carlton Lingard finally got some playing time after coming back from injury. Hit uh, one basket on his one free throw attempt, so he had two points. Luke Kasubki played 24 minutes, only had two three-point attempts, and did not record any points. But he did have three assists, two zero turnovers, so at least he took care of the ball. And then he also had a rebound. And then Drew Honus and Jordan Brooks, the walk-ons, each logged one minute at the end of the game. Cats shot 60% from the field this game, 47.4% from three. Much, much better than they were shooting in Kansas City. I think it's something about the sprint center rims. Because we it just feels like we shoot bad there a lot. So yeah. I'm, I'm just going to chalk it up to the rims. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's the field's fault. Yep. Always is. Always has been. Always is. All right, so next up, uh, I forgot to put the University of Albany score up. So, 
Uh, I might be stupid. Hold on. Uh, intermission. Intermission. Vague intermission. How about them cats? The cats actually played really well when I was there. I was only there for the second half. Uh, so. Yeah, which explains why you thought they played really well all around. The first half was god-awful. At least the first half of the first half yep. was god-awful. Yeah, they were playing some good basketball while I was there. So, Oh, also, one more thing uh, against North Dakota. Uh, Nigel Pack dunked the ball. I've never seen him do that. I don't think he'll ever do it again, but he dunked it because we were up by, like, 40. So He's like, yeah, I may as well try. And it worked. And it worked. But yeah, K-State ended up beating uh, University, I about called them Albany State, University of Albany, 71-43, to and because I forgot to put them on the outline, you once again have statistics. Sure thing. Uh, Nigel Pack played very well. Uh, he had 17 points, leading the team, 6 of 11 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3, with 5 rebounds, 3 assists, just 1 turnover and a steal. Mark Smith had his second straight double-double. He had 14 points with 10 rebounds. And then two assists to two turnovers with a block. Four, seven from the field, two, three from three, four, five from the free throw line. He also had a really nice putback dunk on a missed layup from Marquise Noel. Casey Eziagu had eight points, three or four from the field, two or four at the free throw line, three rebounds, and no assists, three turnovers and a block. Mike McGurl had six points, three of eight from the field, oh, three from three. And two rebounds, three assists, three turnovers, one block, two steals. Then Ishmasud once again struggled. Only had two points, one of three from the field, oh, two from three, four rebounds, uh, no assists, one turnover. So Ish has not been playing up to the level that I was hoping, say, for a couple of performances. Selton, he also had a double-double after missing the North Dakota game uh, with a minor injury, I believe. Uh, Selton had 12 points and 10 rebounds with three assists and just two turnovers coming off the bench, four of eight from the field, one of two from three, three of four from the free throw line. Marquise Noel toned it down a little bit in terms of scoring. He had six points and one rebound, two assists, three turnovers, one block, and two steals. Then Davion Bradford had significant playing time for the first time this year, it felt like. Uh, Four points on two of three from the field with uh, six rebounds, no assists, one turnover. Luke Kasubke, Two points, one made basket, two rebounds, two assists, no turnovers. Landers had no points. Drew Honus and Jordan Brooks also had no points. Yep. So, um, all around solid game for the Cats. Like, other than the beginning of the first half, 46.4% from the field, 38.5% from three. So, you know, not an awful performance from what I saw. Um, I will say, I forgot to mention this in the North Dakota thing. It was the most lackadaisical blowout I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah. Like, it looks like it looked like K State was barely trying in that game. Like they honestly looked like they would have rather been like taking a nap or something like that. And it simply didn't matter because North Dakota can't make threes and we can. And yeah, you know. And so we just kind of coasted to victory there. And it looked like they cared a little bit more against Albany. Uh, but I think we're gonna get a real good look at what this team is next week on Wednesday night against Marquette. Yeah. So that wraps up men's basketball. Now let's turn to women's basketball, where the first game that we'll be talking about was their marquee matchup against North Carolina State. Yes, North Carolina State. I don't know why. What what else would NC stand for? Um, Where unfortunately they fell ninety to sixty nine, and I'm gonna need you to stay with me here. Ioka Lee was not the leading scorer. I am shocked. That would that honor belongs to Serena Sundell, who was six for fourteen from the field, five for eleven on her threes, 
perfect from the free throw line at 4 for 4. With one rebound and six assists, she had 21 total points. Ioka Lee, of course, got hers. She had 19 total points, 9 for 18 from the field. She didn't try a three-pointer. 1 for 2 from the free throw line and then 11 rebounds. Jalen Glenn was 3 for 6 from the field, 2 for 5 from 3 with 2 assists with 8 total points. Simone Goodrich had, Goodrich had 6 points, 3 for 3 from the field with 3 rebounds. Re, oh my goodness me. 3 rebounds and 4 assists. Laura Mackey was 0 for 1 from the field, did not score. She didn't register a single statistic, actually. I'm looking at the stat sheet right now. She <laughs> literally did not register one statistic other than missing a shot in 7 minutes. As a starter, she only played 7 minutes and started. That's like the field of dreams, like, guy who had random, like, one at-bat and then called it quits the dock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, then Riley Glenn... Had seven points, three for five from the field, one for one on her threes, two rebounds. Rebecca Dallinger, or Dallinger, Dallinger? I think it's Dallinger. Dallinger. Had three points, one for three from the field, and one for three in three in threes. One rebound, three assists. Jada Moore, three points, one for two from the field, one three-point, one rebound. Emily Ebert, or Ebert, Ebert, two <laughs> total points. One for three, 0 for one for threes, and then two rebounds, three assists. And then Taylor Lauterbach had no points, but had one rebound. A lot of threes. A lot of threes. But, yeah, I think if anything, what this game tells us is that Aoka Lee can play 35 minutes and still be effective. And then also, uh, Serena Sundell might be legit. Uh, She is a true freshman, and she looks like a seasoned veteran out there. Because the one thing that this team was missing last year was a person to bring the ball up the court effectively and really just, like, take control of the offense. Mm -hmm. And that was detrimental. Like, I mean, K-State dropped so many close games last year because they just didn't have someone that could handle the ball. Serena Sundell is exactly what this team needs. And she's just a true freshman. She's absolutely excellent thus far. I am, like, about... I am very, very close to calling her great, like, seven games into her career. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it's just going to come down to how she performs, like, throughout the rest of non-conference and into conference play. But, like, if she continues to perform this way, I'm just going to sit. Like, I'll just say that she's great. Like, so this Cats team, like, NC State, like, yeah, they lost by 21. NC State was the number five ranked team in the country when this game happened. two now. Okay, so, yeah, they're really good. And I think... Now, this was a great barometer of where this team is at and what they need to do to be more successful. And basically, what they need to do more than anything is not face a team that's basically built like us, but better. Which is, they have one big person that is really effective in the paint, but they can kick it out to people and they can consistently make threes. Because they shot 45% from three, 54% from the field. We also shot 45% from three, but we only shot 48% from the field. So, like, they're basically a better version of us and we ironically can't really play that well i guess like we're really missing rachel Ranky as a shooter right now i I guess is probably what it is but i don't know this cats team they're a lot better than i thought they were i was very low on them going into the year i i actually really like where they're headed so yeah absolutely also uh 
Yeah, I you're gonna have to pull up Abilene Christian because uh, I messed up and I think NC State's on there twice. So uh, intermission. I might be stupid. <laughs> that that's another I'm that's another certified I might be stupid moment. All right, we we're good to go. All right, we're good. So the next game for the uh, catsketball, the women's catsketball teams. We we forgot to call the men's catsketball team that. Oh man. Was ninety three to fifty three in favor of the cats. You have stats. Yeah. First, before I get into anything else, I just want to mention that the first quarter was a win for K State, thirty one to five. <laughs> and that's just awful. And at one point. Abilene Christian actually led that quarter. They made a three-pointer with uh, just one minute into the quarter, and then they did not score again until there was 51 seconds left in the quarter. Mm -hmm. So they just went on the eight-minute scoring drought while K-State elected to not do that and continue to score a lot. And we were very good at that, it turns out. And we had a lot of players play really well. Um, Serena Sundell, once once again, had a great game. 25 points on 9 of 11 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3, perfect at the free throw line, 2 of 2, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, no turnovers, a block, and 3 steals. Just absolutely excellent stat line from her. You cannot ask for anything more from a true freshman. Yeah. Ayoka Lee uh, had a dismal night, only 22 points, and (laughs) 10 of 16 from the field, 2 of 3 from the free throw line, 13 rebounds, no assists, 2 turnovers, 2 blocks. Uh, Jalen Glenn, she had a really nice night as well. 13 points on 5 of 11 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3, 1 of 2 at the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 8 assists to just 2 turnovers, so really nice ratio there, and 5 steals. And she performed much better than uh, her twin sister, Briley Glenn, who only had 5 points, 2 of 7 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3, and no assists, no turnovers with 1 steal and a rebound. Simone Goodrich recorded no points. Uh, only three shots, one rebound, four assists, no turnovers. That is basically her game. Uh, Rebecca Ballinger had nine points, three of six from the field and from three, and then had two assists, just one turnover. Laura Mackey had nine points, three assists, no turnovers, a steal, five rebounds. Jada Moore had eight points, three rebounds, one assist, one turnover, one block, one steal. Emily Ebert had two points, five rebounds, five assists, and no turnovers. And Taylor Lauterbach did not record any points. And she had three rebounds. So, I mean, just plain simple domination from the KSU Cats in this game. Uh, Abilene Christian, uh, they only had one player scoring double figures. Everybody else just kind of didn't play very well. Um, and shot 27% from the field and 22% from three. Uh, K-State just dominated this game start to finish. Yeah. There's not much else to say about it other than Serena Sundell is legit. Yeah. So. And for this next game, let's just go over top scores in the interest of trying to keep it under an hour. Oh, wow. Maybe, we, do, maybe this, do the same for North Dakota State. Yeah, I think that is probably the right choice because I did not realize how long this was running. So Yeah. So the next game was Northwestern State. We won 78-36. Yeah. Um, Aoka Lee, actually kind of inefficient from the field, 6-15. Uh, she had 15 points, four blocks, one steal. Uh, and then beyond her, uh, Serena Sundell uh, did not have a great game, just four points. Jada Moore, 13 points, though, six rebounds, uh, one assist, one turnover, and four steals. Emily Ebert had 12 points, six assists, three turnovers, two steals, and 14 rebounds. So she actually had more rebounds and points and still had a double-double, which is pretty interesting. 
And then uh, Bradley Glenn had 10 points, 4 for 11 from the field, 8 rebounds, 1 assist, no turnovers, 2 blocks. Cats actually only shot 14% from 3 this game, 36% from the field. So they did not shoot particularly well at all. However, Ab- or Northwestern, Northwestern State did not make a single 3-point shot <laughs> and shot 18% from the field. Had 18 turnovers, just 5 assists. Uh, Northwestern State only scored 36 points in this game. They scored in the single digits in two of the four quarters. Uh, pretty bad. Although this game was a slow start for the Cats. They actually trailed at the end of the first quarter 13-11. to 11. So they were able to figure it out. I imagine Jeff Mitty had a word or two to stay at halftime. <laughs> and then they suddenly had some things figured out. Yeah. The next up is North Dakota State, in which K-State won 78-57. Your top scorers were Ioka Lee with 22, Riley Glenn with 15, and then Emily Ebert with 10, followed by Serena Sundell with 8, tied with Laura Mackey also with 8. So, again, people stop dropping plates in my house um, and using the oven at the same time. But, yeah, so... The day this episode releases, they are playing South Carolina, which will be a massive, a, some might say a gargantuan game. Yeah, South Carolina is the number one ranked women's basketball team in the country, and KC just has an absolute gauntlet of a non-conference schedule with North Carolina State, NC State on the road, uh, South Carolina on the road, and then Oregon at home uh, in just a couple of weeks. Uh, so Jeff Mitty definitely wants this team to have a high strength of schedule when it comes time to uh, get an attorney. So, yeah, we'll see how they fare. I don't expect them to beat South Carolina. Uh, if they were, that would be one of the biggest upsets in program history. If uh, I just want them to perform admirably on their own end to do what they can. Yeah. And finally, we get to talk about the Volley Cats. And before we go into their results, they made the national tournament somehow. I don't know how they did it, but I'll allow it, I guess. Yeah. And they play Florida State in the first round in a couple of days. But let's go over their last three matches. Unfortunately, all of them lost. The first against number two Texas, in which they got blanked. Yeah, it was 3-0 Texas, uh, 19-25, 25-16, and 25-13. So they trailed off as they went, unfortunately. Weren't able to get the upset bid, uh, which is very sad to see. Uh, Leah Carter, she had 12 kills on 28 attempts for with just five errors. So she had the most kills on the team, not particularly close either. Uh, other than that, not a lot notable statistically from this game for the Cats. Uh, so I will just kind of leave it at that because uh, Leah Carter, she had a all right day. Everybody else either was like efficient on a low amount of attack attempts or not efficient on a low amount of attack attempts <laughs> or n- not efficient on a lot of attack attempts. So... I will. Those are my keys. Unlucky. <laughs> but, but, yeah, tough showing for the Volley Cats at Texas. Yeah. And then it got a lot tougher because in the Sunflower Showdown, we lost the first match 1-3 and then the second 2-3. Yeah, the first one, uh, we lose 1-3 uh, to the Jayhawks. This is at home. Uh, Katie took the first set 25-22. Cats took the second set 25-21. Then the Cats dropped the third set, 25-23. I believe it was a comeback for KU in that set. And then they just fell on their faces in the fourth set, 25-14. to 
really, really, really tough to lose that. And Aaliyah Carter, she had 16 kills on 42 attempts, 7 errors. Now then Sydney Bolding had 9 kills on 19 attempts with 2 errors, so she was pretty efficient. Um, beyond that, not a lot else notable. Mackenzie Morris had 16 digs, which is pretty good. Uh, but yeah, really, really tough from the Cats. It only gets tougher, unfortunately, for the Folly Cats because in the next game they lose 2-3. to three. And they win the first two sets as well. So this was a comeback for the Jayhawks. Cats win the first two, 25-21 and 25-20. Then KU wins three straight to come back and win, 25-16, 25-21, and 15-12. The epitome of brutality. And yeah. Aaliyah Carter, she actually had a really nice day scoring. Uh, she was not very efficient. She had 11 errors, but she had 18 kills on 58 attempts. Uh, did really well there. Um, other than that, Katie Fernholz had 10 kills, 3 errors on 21 attempts. A lot of digs for this team. Aaliyah Carter had 15. Mackenzie Morris had 20. Lauren Hinkle had 14. And Tayada Adams Kayanoe had 12. And Jackie Smith had 10. So, a lot of digs. A lot of good defense from this team. But they unfortunately, I'll say it, they blew it against the in-state rivals on senior night really really tough despite all of that they somehow made the ncaa tournament don't ask me how they did it my only thought process on it is that their rpi must be insane because the big 12 is just really good this year so i think seven big 12 teams made it and there's nine big 12 teams that play volleyball oklahoma state does not play volleyball so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is absolutely nuts. So I guess they threw us a bone for like not drowning in the schedule that we had to play. Yeah. So I appreciate you selection committee. Maybe they also felt bad for leaving us out last year because we were the first team out last year. And also I... leaving us out of the NCAA tournament in baseball. <laughs> yes, we uh, we deserve retribution for that. So, But yeah, the Volleycats, they will be playing Florida State in the first round of the tournament Friday at 4.30, I think. I'm not ready to confirm that time. I will be in, like, five seconds. It will be at 4.30. Good job. I don't know how I knew that at the top of my head. But that's <laughs> yeah, on ESPN+. Plus. They're playing in the Lincoln, Nebraska uh, regional. So they have, they have Florida State Seminoles in their very first game. I have no idea how good Florida State is at uh volleyball i would be like the best team ever that would be really strange we're about to get face rolled, get donkey rolled in the first round i'd simply rather that not happen same because that would just really suck but yeah i don't know i think you're looking at men's teams i was i may be stupid it's okay there it is schedule how good is florida state 19 and 9 on the season, eleven and seven in conference play. Oh, all right. Well, we stand a chance. Sure. And uh, if we beat, <laughs> sure. Uh, if we beat Florida State, we get the esteemed honor of, in all likelihood, playing Nebraska, 
Um, Again. Yes. Who, yeah, we did face earlier this season. I believe we actually played them pretty well, as I recall. We lost, but we played them well. Yeah, yeah, we did lose, but, like, we played admirably. Uh, I mean, we could, I guess, technically face Campbell. That requires Campbell to beat Nebraska. So I think we would face Nebraska if we win. Mm. <laughs> so, but, yeah, keep an eye on the Volley Cats. Uh, they will be playing at least one game uh, this weekend. They might be guaranteed to. I'm not really sure how the volleyball playoffs work in that regard, other than they have regionals that feed into, like, super regionals, and they have, like, finals and stuff like that, kind of like baseball. But, yeah. So, yeah. That concludes the recap of everything that's happened within the last week for K-State. That was quite a bit. It really was. Can't wait to have to do an emergency episode when more people transfer. And uh, when staff changes happen. Yeah. If. if I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I see the face you're making. When, when staff changes happen. Uh, I, I mean, I think that there was even an article out of today that staff changes are like almost inevitable. Yeah. Like I think Kellis posted something about it. So if a big J's saying it, I feel comfortable saying it. There's yeah. there's gonna be staff changes. It's, it's not a scoop meister, it's an actual journalist. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's an actual dude. So I I I'm interested to see what happens with the staff changes. Uh not just who's gone, but who gets brought in. Because yeah. a lot of options and it feels like the cats are behind. Like, but I think it's just because so much happened over the weekend. Like, I don't think we're actually behind. So, yeah. But yeah, this wraps up this edition of the Aggieville Alley Cats. If you want to reach out and contact the show, uh, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and cats. If you want to email us, we are Aggieville Alley Cats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at AC Edward 00. I am at Connor Baltazor, capital C and capital B. If you want to support the show in a more financial sense, you can always look and apply for sponsorship. You will probably be approved. <laughs> or if you want something in return, you can go to the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store where you can find such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.